You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Remain standing with me and keep your hands lifted to the Lord as we pray. Father, I pray that this song we have just finished singing will be the reality of every single heart in this room. That we would look to the heavens and say, behold the Lord, our God, our Savior. Lord, we lay ourselves this morning at your feet and say, you are God and we are not. And oh God, we ask this morning today that you'd increase our hearts to worship you or increase our hearts' capacity to worship you, God. Increase our hearts' desire and longing to love you and to know you and to live our lives for the glory of Jesus Christ alone. Father, we ask that you teach us this morning from your word. God, I pray as the word is spoken this morning that we would truly hear from the voice of the living God. God, where hearts are sleeping, would you wake them up this morning? Where hearts are dead, would you breathe life into them, God? Where hearts are listening, God, would you make ever more keen to the still soft voice, the still quiet voice of yourself? And God, our heart's desire today is not that we just come in here and do church, sing a few songs, hear a good word and leave, but God, our heart's desire is that we'd encounter you, the risen Lord. Please, oh Lord, would you make this possible? God, again, I acknowledge this morning as I preach that my desperate need for you. God, I acknowledge that for our people, we are desperately in need of you. We can't make spiritual things happen on our own. We can try, we can want to, but God, you have to do it. So as we surrender again today, God, we say, God, come and do your will in us by the power of your Holy Spirit for your glory alone. In Jesus' name, together we pray these things. Amen. Amen. I encourage you to go ahead and grab a seat and flip with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, slip your hand up and one of our ushers will be more than happy to get a copy of God's Word into your hands. If you don't have one at home, take it home with you. This is our gift to you this morning. Revelation chapter 3 is where we are. Back to the Jesus Speaks series. Took a few week break from it. The Jesus Speaks series uh, being the first four books of of Revelation as Jesus speaks to his church that we might be ready for his return. And so the last, where we ended off uh, three weeks ago was the first part of chapter three. And so I don't want you to think that the last two weeks have been sort of something random. They've carried right on through. So the last sermon I preached from Revelation chapter three was the dead or alive, right? Jesus wants you dead or alive. And so we learned that Christ wants every heart fully alive to Jesus. And so even though we took a break from the series, that last two sermons were carrying that reality through. How do you stay alive in Jesus? It takes community of believers your involvement in a community of believers, and it takes your own spiritual, spiritual, personal spiritual disciplines. And so that series was meant to help you thrive and be alive in Jesus. So now we're diving right back into here to Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 7. Jesus speaks, and he's writing here again to a specific people in actual churches, and it's a word that is just as impactful in our lives and our church today. Jesus' message to us today is the same thing he said to the church that we're going to study this morning at Philadelphia. We see the same heart and purpose that God has for his followers there as he does here. And so this is extremely important for us to open up and pay attention to and listen to. And I'm going to read it, and then we're just going to dive right in. Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 7. To the church in Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. Verse 8 I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which you have set before you, an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11 I am coming soon. Here's some motivation right here to listen up. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have heard so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and from 
and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So encouraging this one, isn't it? Last five have been sort of like, you're doing good, but, and then he brings a hammer. Jesus, not afraid to speak the hard word. We know that already by now, don't we? But this one is simply just an encouraging word for his people who are, one word, it is faithful. If you want to write that word right beside the church of Philadelphia, I've given you kind of one word to define each of these churches, and the word is faithful. And it's really a, simply a, a word to a faithful church filled with faithful people, giving us a glimpse of how we are supposed to be living in light of Christ's imminent, which is soon return. And so the word of the day is faithful. That's what God desires most from your life and my life more than anything else. What he wants is a, a heart that loves him and a life that is simply faithful to him. If I were to ask you this morning, I would say, what does God want most from you? If you say, what does God want most from you? Probably many of you would define what God wants most from you in terms of achievement and success. That's how, that's how we think. What does God want most from you? You'd say, well, I think God wants most from me more effectiveness. Or I think he wants additional productivity from me or greater Christ-likeness. You define it in terms of what you're doing and, and how much you can achieve for God. And yes, absolutely, and for sure, those things are true. Those three things are true. But even more than that, even more than that, more than fruitfulness, you know what God longs for your life more than fruitfulness? It's simply this, it's faithfulness. God delights more in your faithfulness than your fruitfulness because a faithful life will be a fruitful life. In Jesus Christ, and when all is said and done, the greatest commendation you can ever get from God, not as, he's not gonna say, look at all the stuff you did. He's gonna say, you lived a faithful life for Jesus Christ. We control the faithfulness. God controls the fruitfulness. And so in this passage, we're seeing that being played out in the church of Philadelphia. We're seeing that God's commendation given them is a commendation of faithfulness. What's a commendation? It's like a, a, a Great glowing report on this church. It's like a resume. It's like a, a spiritual resume that God's giving. It's like a, a, a word of encouragement to them, a reference letter for them saying, this is a church that I love because they're so faithful. You have to understand the church of Philadelphia wasn't a glamorous church, but it was simply dependent and faithful on God. And Jesus is so thrilled with the people that simply, simply just trusting in Jesus and living their lives for his glory. And a commendation is something that we ought to all want to be longing for from Jesus Christ. What we see in this passage, this is something that each of our hearts ought to be like, man, I wish Jesus could say that about me. I, I wish, I hope that that is my future promise and inheritance in Jesus, that, that he's saying, man, Put your name in here that they are just living a faithful life and because of that, they will have all of these glorious blessings in heaven. When you think about it, commendation is really what you're looking for. We strive for commendation in our world. Some of us in school, we, all we care about is what others think and we live our lives somehow so that our schoolmates will give us a word of commendation or give us a word of accolade. And you love it, it builds you up, puts a smile on your face and a bounce on your step. And others of you like so long for commendation that you're working overtime and doing all kinds of maybe things that you wouldn't normally do for your boss, hoping that one day he'll give you a commendation, that he'll recognize you. And, and some of you run around your neighborhoods just trying to get people to like you and just want a commendation, want a commendation. Those are good, those are good commendations from people. But you know what's the ultimate commendation this morning? One from Jesus the ultimate commendation that we ought to strive for more than any other accolade or, or word of encouragement is the one that Jesus gives his church here. Because we all know that the commendations we get from the world, they can often be empty and void. They're just words sometimes people speak. They're full of bias. Your moms give you compliments, but she's biased. And you know that, so it's not really that meaningful, you know? And some people give you a commendation to suck up to you and, and really don't mean what's there. They're just trying to play up to in some sort of way, but the commendation of Jesus, get this, the commendation of Jesus is real and it's full and it's meaningful and this is what the commendation of life that truly you were made to desire. And so God wants us right off the bat to understand the, who the commendation is coming from to give us a bit of a reference for how important and how meaningful this is. And so the angel of the church in Philadelphia wrote, write these words, he says, the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David who opens and no one will shut and shut and no one will open. 
This is just showing that the commendation of Jesus is the highest commendation you could ever get in your life. This is a commendation from the Holy One, the one who is completely set apart from sin, the Messiah. This is the messianic title of Jesus. This is a commendation coming from Jesus Christ himself right from the throne room of God. Not the prime minister's office, not your boss's office, but the throne room of God. And it's true. You don't have to wonder, is this true? Is this not true? Is it sort of true, somewhat true? It's true, 100% genuine is this commendation for the church. It's real because nothing out of the lips of God can be anything but the pure truth and it also comes, this commendation, with full authority. Jesus is the one who has the key of David who opens and no one will shut and shuts and no one will opens. What's the key of David? What's this meaning? It means that Jesus, this commendation is coming from Jesus Christ, the one who holds all authority over everything. It's really a direct reference to Isaiah 22, 22, 22 and Eliakim. He was the one who was given the keys to the throne room and he was, his job was to stand at the throne room and only through him would people go in or out. And so he's saying, yeah, but this is Jesus Christ. He's got the keys to the throne room of heaven. He stands at the door and you can only go through into heaven through Jesus Christ. And in fact, he not only opens the door to heaven, but he opens every spirit door to spiritual blessing, every door to revelation of divine truth and every door to ministry opportunity. It all goes through Jesus Christ. So picture the divine realm with me and picture a a massive giant door that is so thick and so big that no one can push it open. Only Jesus can do that and he is giving his people a commendation for their faithfulness and he's saying, I am gonna ultimately push that door to heaven open for you and in the meantime, I'm gonna push all kinds of doors on earth, ministry doors open for you that you might proclaim the glory of myself, of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 43, 13 says that when Jesus acts, who can reverse it? Nobody. And so it's a big deal. It's a big deal already. We see this. Jesus starts every letter to his church with the description of him so that we kind of sit up in our chairs and we're like, wow, this is, a, this is important. I need to listen. It's the words of Jesus. Let me ask you this. Is Jesus gonna give you a commendation like this when you get to heaven? Is Jesus gonna give you a commendation like this when you get to heaven? It's what we all ought to be striving for. It says in verse eight, I know your works. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door and no one is able to shut it. I know that you have but little power and yet have kept my word and have not denied my name. This is the church in Philadelphia he's writing, as I said. This is the original city of brotherly love and to get the context of how important this is, city of brotherly love in Jesus' day was not known for their Liberty Bell statue or Liberty Bell or the statue of Rocky or the Philly cheesesteaks, they were known for one thing, their faithfulness and their loyalty to God. And the people in Philadelphia, there was really nothing about them that was compelling. In all the other cities, I've given you some pretty cool things about what was happening in that city. When it comes to Philadelphia, there's really nothing cool to say about Philadelphia. I was, that's why I made up, went to the Liberty Bell and that stuff because there's nothing to say about Philadelphia. There's a regular church, there's a regular kind of off the beaten path church that really nobody would think twice, well, hey, that's a happening place. They were just a simply a kind of probably a little country church and they were the gateway, the Philadelphia's at the gateway to the rest of the Asian world. So people had to pass through Philadelphia, but no one stopped there ever. And so they were only noted for, there was a volcanic activity in the area. So the, the, the ground was pretty fertile. So they had a lot of vineyards in the area. And uh, other than that, just a regular average place with average people, with nothing special. In fact, if you're a list of 100 top churches in that day and age in that, in that area, like Philadelphia, wouldn't even be on the radar. What's happening in Philadelphia? I don't know. I don't really know anything about Philadelphia. But yet, these are the people that get the greatest commendation. From, see where I'm going with this? See where God's going with this? These are the people that got the greatest commendation from God in all of these letters. This little group of nobodies, insignificance, who are just faithfully serving God every single day. It reminds me a lot of, let's be honest, St. Catharines. Who stops in St. Catharines? We just drive through to get to Toronto or get to the United States. Oh, there's some vineyards here. Yeah, we understand that. But really, like, I never stopped here ever before we moved here. Like, why would you stop in St. Catharines? Now that we're here, we love it. 
But he asked me what's happening in the world in St. Catharines. Well, I, I don't know, even in the church world, there's, there's big things happening in Toronto and Vancouver and around but St. Catharines, I don't know. It's an encouragement to us because this is a church just like us. It's a church of like, Shrug your shoulders, people, but yet they're being faithful to God. And, and even though they might be not even on anyone else's map, God's got Philadelphia circled on his map with a big thumbtack stuck in it. This is one of my prized churches. This is a church that even though everyone else would drive by it to get to the cool, hip, happening church, this is a church that Jesus would stop in at and sit in the front row every single time. Because they were simply, and I think you're getting this word, they're simply faithful. They love Jesus so much and just wanted to live their lives for the glory of God. And so Jesus opened many doors for them. They became the missionary hub of the churches in the region. They became a missionary outpost for others because God was honoring their faithfulness. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. Faithfulness is what God desires of me. As we wait for Jesus Christ's return, here's what God desires most from me. It's simply faithfulness. Jesus coming back, I know it. I gotta be urgent. I gotta, what do I gotta do as I'm urgent? We gotta live faithfully for Jesus Christ. Note that there's nothing said negative about this church. There's no sin that Jesus is pulling out of here. Do you, th- do you think they were void of sin in this church? Do you think they're void of sin? I'm sure they're like us, pretty imperfect people stumbling around some days wondering how they're gonna make it, but Jesus doesn't say anything, anything negative about them. Instead, he pulls out the fact that they were, they were a positive example for all the other churches. Even some of the successful ones could get their eyes on Philadelphia and say, this is what I want you and your church to be. I want you to simply be faithful to, to one day get the commendation from Jesus. And then God's so gracious, he shows us what that faithfulness really means in this church. There's three things here we see. In, verses, in verse eight, I'm gonna spend most of my time in verse eight. I know most of the passage goes from nine to 13, but we've hit a lot of those things because every book ends with kind of the highlight of what's gonna be in heaven, what's gonna be in heaven. Here's a highlight of your reward. And so I am gonna touch on those things, but I really wanna aim on this, the, the commendation, the commendation that we would all be commended one day for our faith in Jesus Christ because of Jesus Christ, because of the gospel. And so three things in this passage of what it looks like to really track with the Lord and do his will until he returns. First one is this. To get a commendation in life, you need to be willing. You need to be weak, but willing. Look at this church. It says they have but little power. Luke 12 tells us it was a small church, but a powerful impact. And see, there's a bunch of weak people, but they were willing to be used of God. You're probably poor, lower, lower class. It says in 1 Corinthians 1, the church was nothing flashy. The pe- preacher didn't have his own radio broadcast and people weren't flocking to hear the preacher. Probably not doctors and lawyers with lots of money and influence in this church. There wasn't any theological giants of, well, they studied in a seminary. There wasn't anyone in the church who was gonna be like, man, they are gonna be in the future faith hall of fame. There was none of that stuff. But yet Jesus would be pleased to sit in the front row. Why? Because they were a church filled with regular average people just being willing to be used by God. That's it. I just want to be used by God. You know what they were? They were a church of Gideons. Remember Gideon from Judges chapter six and seven? Remember him? Yes, no, you guys are looking like, am I talking too fast and I've just lost you all? Gideon, remember Gideon? Judges six and seven? Someone's a little angry. Yes, he was a guy who's like the bottom of the ladder, right? Like he was, he was the lowest of the low from the weakest tribe. Remember all that stuff? And yet, yet, ultimately, when he encountered God, when he encountered God, at the end of that, all those dialogues he had with him, he simply said this, whatever you want for my life, God, I am willing, do whatever you want. I am weak, but I am willing. Remember what God did through Gideon? God used this little guy who was threshing wheat in a wine press, scared for his life and with no power at all. God took him from that place because of his encounter with God and he took him to a place where he delivered a nation. He delivered a nation from captivity through a man who was weak but willing to simply lay his life on the line for Jesus. It's the first mark of a faithful life. I don't have much to offer. But what I do have to offer, I'm just gonna leave it for Jesus. I am like Gideon. I feel like I got nothing. Like I don't have the gifts. I don't have the talents. I don't have the looks. I don't have the abilities. I really have nothing. Like I don't... Weak, but willing. The church in Philadelphia, like Gideon, was simply a church that was just like, you know what, God? Like, 
I don't know why you'd call me. I don't know why you'd choose me, but you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not gonna mess with trying to figure that out. I'm just saying, okay, you've done it. You've shown me the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've opened my eyes to the wonder of a God and a savior. So now I am willing in response. I'm just gonna make myself willing. I'm available to do whatever you want me to do, however you want me to do it. I'll just do it that I might see your power and your glory shine through me. It's a church that I pray is like ours that would simply be echoing the, song, the lyrics of the song, glory to God, take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Just use me, God. That's a faithful life. Just use me, God. I don't care who gets the glory. I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care if people pat me on the back. I just want to be used by you. I want to see the fullness of the power of God in me and through me in this life. We have lots of those people here. It's encouraging. We have lots of those people here. I hear it all the time. Like, I really have nothing, Pastor, but can I serve in the church? Can you serve in the church? Absolutely. We're a bunch of people who have nothing to offer, your pastor included, but yet God has called us to serve together in the church. This is a mark of a faithful church, a mark of a faithful life. I'm weak, but I am willing. Are you weak and willing today? I want to know the full blessing of God, the full power of God. Are you weak and willing? Oh, I have too much to offer. Are you weak and willing? That's all Jesus is looking for. Do you get that? What do I do as I wait for Jesus to return? Admit you're weak and be willing. God can do powerful things through a weak and willing life. The second thing is this. We see it right here in the text. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word. And yet you have kept my word. It's simply this. It stayed on scriptures. There are people who were stayed on the scriptures as our first pillar, that we proclaim the authority of the word of God without apology, because that's what a faithful church does. But a faithful believer in a faithful church keeps themselves stayed in and on the scriptures. It wasn't just a church of, of Gideons, it was a church of Bereans. Acts chapter 17 tells us that the Bereans were those who eagerly examined the scriptures daily, eagerly, daily examining the scriptures to make sure the things that they were hearing were so and also that their lives matched the scriptures. They had a deep desire to know Jesus and be right behind him wherever he was leading, not veering to the left or to the right. This church was a bunch of obedient radicals is what they were. People probably would have walked by them and slapped little name tags on their back that would have said like too intense or, or over the top. But on the front of their shirt, Jesus Christ labeled them with a greater title and it was simply this, it was faithful. It was faithful. This would be a people who was constantly praying. Psalm 119, verse 10, I hope this is a prayer of your heart. With my whole heart, God, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. What's a faithful life? It's a life that not just knows the scriptures, but lives the scriptures. The word of God saturates the mind so much that it, it just drips and permeates into the soul, which then moves the feet into a life of obedience. The, the people of God who are faithful are those who are daily playing. Remember we used to play Simon Says? Remember we used to play Simon Says? The people of God who are faithful, who get the commendation for faithfulness are those who play Jesus Says. If Jesus says it, I will do it. I will just mimic it. I will do whatever Jesus says. And when he doesn't speak, I won't do it. The people who get a commendation, I pray you and I would be these type of people who would just be stayed on the scriptures. They are obedient. We know obedience comes from loving Jesus. It's not a legalistic thing to be obedient. Somehow we've gotten to our church that it's, it's not what you do, it's just who you know, yes, yes, but who you know affects what you do for sure. And so the people who have God, who get a commendation from God in the end will be those who love Jesus enough that they were willing to follow him and be, be obedient at all costs. Even when relationships get difficult because of their obedience to Christ, when work situations get awkward because of their love for Christ, even when it means that they're gonna miss out on some fun because they love Jesus Christ, that is a faithful life that Jesus Christ gives commendation to. The third one is this. You have little power and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. They are linked with the Lord. Faithful life in Jesus is linked with the Lord. This is the, the whole basis for the commendation that this church is getting. It's simply three things they were doing and doing well and doing often. They were linked with the Lord. In other words, everybody not just inside the church knew that they were Christ followers. All those outside the church knew it too. 
People in the city of Philadelphia weren't thinking like, oh, I wonder what's up with that person. I know they go to that place on Sunday morning and they, they talk funny, like talk like a Christian. They somehow act like a Christian. They, they seem to be like, do you think they're really a Christian? They're just good moral people. There wasn't that debate going on with this church. It was like everybody knew that Jesus Christ was their Lord and Savior. It was like Jesus and me, we go hand in hand. We are not separated. I can't stop talking about Jesus. I can't stop mimicking Jesus. When you uh, talk to me, you know Jesus is a part of my life. So the faithful life, the faithful church in Philadelphia had their flags raised for Jesus Christ and there was no doubt these people belonged to Jesus. On Sunday, and also the other six days of the week, they must have believed, they must have believed, because I know this is very difficult. Do you find this difficult sometimes? To not deny the name of Jesus? We worry so much about what everyone else is gonna think. They're gonna think we're crazy. The faithful life, along with the Philadelphia church, must have taken Mark 8.38 to heart and really believed that... When Jesus said, whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Well, that's a good one. Faithful life doesn't just think it's a good one. It's like, yes, yes, and, and we love Jesus so much because of his, his, his salvation that we, we love Christ and we are willing to identify with Christ. That's the faithful life. So the Philadelphian church was full of Gideons. They were full of, of Bereans. They were also full of Pauls. What did Paul say? I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. So the faithful life identifies with Jesus again even when things get sticky and when things get awkward with those around them. But if I identify with Jesus, my family won't love me the same anymore. But if I identify with Jesus, then what if my boss fires me because I won't do the unethical things he asks me to do? What if I identify with Jesus and actually tell my neighbors where I go to church, where I go every Sunday morning at, at nine o'clock? Then they might not have me over and hang out. And, but, but the faithful life cares more about identifying with Jesus than identifying with anybody or anything else on earth. And they're determined to hold on to him and persevere in these things. See what it says here? They persevered. It says this a little later in verse 10, because you have kept my word about patient endurance. They patiently endured in these things. This is a faithful life. The Christian life is not boring. People, Christian life, that's just, faithful is a boring word. Who wants to be faithful? I want adventure. This is the adventure of the Christian life, being faithful to Jesus Christ. And plowing through in these things, no matter what comes our way, whether you're driving this car towards your eternal destination, whether it's sun or rain or sleet or snow, we are gonna keep driving and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and our destination. That's what perseverance is, keeping the foot on the gas and continuing on in our journey towards Christ. I hope this is an encouragement for many of you. I love that this is an encouraging passage right in the midst of some really challenging and convicting ones because we need to be encouraged sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we seem to be encouraged. And as I read this, I have to be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with who God is bringing to our church. Our elders, every, every meeting, as we pray for you guys, we're like, wow, we've been blessed with some godly people that we have, we have been privileged and responsibly of caring for. Because as, as I read this, I see this in our church. I just want to encourage you with that. I, I have never been part of a church in my 20 years of ministry that has been so faithful to God like the people of this church. So I pray you're encouraged, but I pray you're like, wow, yeah, yeah, I'm not perfect. Anyone perfect at this? Me neither. But I pray as we're doing this, you're like, man, this is the, co this is the commendation that God's gonna give me by his grace as he helps me be faithful. We see it week in and week out. We see that we are average people. And I, I get we know that. And I see, we see as elders, our, our church consistently like, hey, I don't have much to offer, but let me do it. I'll set up in the morning. I'll tear down at, at, after church. Is there anything I can do during the week? Harvest kids, I'll help. What can we do for compassion? We see weak people that are willing to serve Jesus. So be encouraged. If that's you, be encouraged. Jesus doesn't need you to have more abilities and more skills. He just needs you to be willing and keep going in that. Don't get discouraged in that because you are actually reaping, you're gonna reap your commendation before Jesus. We see people in our church who are so devoted to the word of God. 
like I've never been in a church before. You, you people are devoted to the word of God. Let it be encouraging to you. Some of you come out in conversation with me and you're like, you know that one, pastor? And I'm like, I have no idea. Thanks for sharing. It feels like you know the word better than I do and that's my job. It's a commendation that you're being faithful to what God's called you to do. Don't lose heart in that. Fight through those hard, dry times. Don't lose heart in that. Keep going, encouraging each other in that. And we've seen many of you take stands for Jesus that astound me. Some of you young people, when I was your age, I would have never done that, ever. And I see you guys standing up and saying, yes, I belong to Jesus and he belongs to me and, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. And praise the Lord. Keep going in that this is what God is saying. If you're living this, this is, this is exactly what I desire of you. I don't desire anything more or less. Just love Jesus and live out a life of faithfulness. Remember the commendation in Matthew, well done, thou good and servant. Not good and effective. Not good and gifted, good and faithful servant. So this is you, be encouraged today, be encouraged. Just take this as a word of God of encouragement for you that you just need to keep being faithful and God takes care of all the rest. If this is not you today, because I get there's probably some of those in here too. If you're like, well, this sounds great and I get it, but this isn't me. This is, this is God's grace to you that he points this out because he wants you to get on this page so that you are ready for his return, that you live a life honoring to Jesus Christ because the true mark of a heart that loves Jesus is on the page of Jesus. So you're falling short on this and you're like, I don't even resemble, this is a good come to Jesus moment because he is coming to you soon, so come to Jesus before he comes to you. That's the way it works in the world. And so man, I just use this time to be like, God, I am thankful that you died for me. I just want to know faithfulness in my life and I can't do it without you. I need you to first save me and then to first, then secondly, to make me faithful. Help me be faithful for you. And God will answer that prayer every single time. I look at this and honestly, I read this and my heart stirs because man, I, I want this to describe me. I want this to describe me. But yet it's so hard to be faithful, isn't it? Isn't it sometimes so hard to be faithful? I can preach it. I can show you what it says. But getting down to the nitty gritty in life is sometimes hard to be faithful. You, you can nod. You guys are very passive today. You can nod. So how do, we, how do we become faithful in Jesus Christ? How do we become from this bandwagon follower of Jesus, which is so easy to be the bandwagon guy? When things are going good, we're on with Christ. When things are bad, we jump off and do our own thing. And that's not faithfulness. That's like wishy-washy up and down. How do we become faithful? We keep our eyes on Jesus is how we become faithful. And we realize as we journey through life that the one goal of the enemy, more than anything else, is to trip you up from your journey of faithfulness. So as you walk along the journey of life, he's got his little goons, his little demons on the sides. You know what they're trying to do? like, how'd that happen? Ah, missed him. You get him. And so I just want to warn you in this, as you even commit your heart to this today, as you commit your heart to this today, the, the enemy is going to want to trip you up in these things. And here's some things that he's going to do to try and trip you up in your journey of faithfulness. And maybe you find yourself in some of these places right now. He's going to want to overwhelm your heart with fatigue is what he's going to do. Oh, the daily grind is weighing in on me and, and following Christ, I get it, can feel like you're walking through a field of snow without snowshoes and then you just want to sit down and give up. The enemy accuses you, your failures smother you and others' issues cloud you and yet, and yet Jesus wants to say, that this is the, it's the trap of the enemy. All he's trying to do is trip you up from a life of faithfulness. Don't sit there long. Get your eyes on Jesus and get up and keep going. He will give you all you need. Second one is this is discouragement. See this over and over. I just want to be faithful. I'm just so discouraged. I'm just so discouraged. Why? I just don't think I'm as far along the path as I should be. So is there any point? I may as well quit. I may as well give up. Or I'm just so stinking sinful. I just can't seem to do it. Or life's so hard. I try hard. I don't see the results I want. So you get discouraged. And yet Jesus again says, don't be discouraged. It's not about you performing. It's about you being faithful. Don't be discouraged. Just keep doing what you're doing and keep your eyes on the wonder of the gospel. Third one is this, is boredom. You start looking around and everyone else's lives start looking more satisfying than ours and it feels like you're stuck in the movie Groundhog Day. It's the same thing over and over. This faithfulness thing is faithfulness things not as all cracked up to be. Somehow you think the walk with Christ is glamorous. Where you got that, I have no idea. You get bored. Isn't there something more, something I'm forgetting? And yet Jesus, the reality of Jesus, he transforms a normal day into an alive adventure. With Jesus Christ, you never have a boring day. 
He's doing new things in you and through you every single day. So don't get caught in the boredom thing that there's something more. The faithful thing is what God wants. Third one is this is cynicism. We get hurt. People don't respond the way we think. Circumstances don't turn out. Pain where we never expected it. And then we get negative and we get cynical. And we jump off this faithfulness path of the devil's even help. I just want to encourage you today if you're cynical and you're like, there's no point, there's no point, I give up. Just know this. Remember this. Don't forget this. God didn't come to serve you. You're here to serve God in a life of faithfulness. Last one is this, it's sin. This is the trip, the one that trips us up the most. We know it's a trap, we know it's a trick, but we get sucked in every single time. It's like we're driving down the road. We know we're supposed to stay in the middle of the road, but those snow drifts look so appealing. It kind of gives you a little high as you, and then it sucks you into the snow bank and sin. Sin is it, and, and we, know, we know the enemy's a trap, but we, we, we go, we go there for some reason, and, and then we get in the snow bank. We just stay in the snow bank. Oh, well, I'm buried anyways. We'll just stay here. No, don't let sin, the sin that you're struggling with, keep you from following faithfully after God in the snowbank, call out for God to help you and he will come and dig you out every time and repent and put your feet on the right course again and ask God to help you stay on the road. This is a faithful life in Jesus Christ we're looking for. Not glamour, not glitz, not anything else. Just a faithful life in Jesus Christ. Ask the church at Philadelphia. It was not an easy church. Them, Philadelphia and Smyrna were the two hard ones. And yet it's the church in here that you know what we see? We see a great commendation from Jesus that they were faithful, that they were faithful. All this just means that a faithful testimony is one that God smiles at a lot. A faithful testimony is one that God smiles at a lot. Oh, my testimony is boring, pastor. I don't have a good testimony. I just, I grew up in the church and early age, God opened my eyes to see Jesus and fallen lost but he's picked me up and kind of steered away from the main pitfalls in life and I, I don't really have a good testimony I look for somebody who's been there and done that that's, that's the testimony that everyone loves to hear don't, don't give them mine you know the most powerful testimony of Jesus Christ being alive and well in a life is today it's a faithful life in Jesus don't you think yeah, I love those stories too where like there's someone in, in the fire of sin and God came in and pulled them out and like rescued them and saved their life and breathed new life into them and, and cleaned up their burn marks and put them on the path. That's a powerful testimony, an equally powerful testimony. Let me say this, equally powerful testimony is the life that was saved early and God protected from getting burned at all by some of the, the devastation of sin. And I guarantee you this, in heaven, in heaven, just so you guys are like, oh, faithful's boring. In heaven, in heaven, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be like all the radical stories of life change are gonna be in one circle telling their story to Jesus and everyone else on the faithful followers on the outside going, oh, I have a boring story, so they're not gonna ask me. It's not gonna be like that. Around the campfire in heaven, it's gonna be everyone shoulder to shoulder and God's just gonna say, share your story again. Let me hear again how I worked in you from the very beginning of your age. Tell me again, tell me again, tell everybody again so they can see my power alive, how I saved you. Tell me again how you had nothing to offer, but I did such great things for your life. Tell everyone again, that's a power, tell everyone again that story. Tell them again how you immersed yourself in the word of God and somehow I got you around all those pitfalls in life that you saw everyone else falling into. Tell that story again, I wanna hear that story again. Tell that story again of how all your friends were running away from me and you stood by me and with me and identified with me right to the very end, even when people were dying for their faith maybe. Tell me the story again of how you remained faithful to me. Tell me again. When you think of it in those terms, it's a powerful testimony, isn't it? It's not faithful. It's like faithful. This is the commendation we get from God. This is a story that tells of the supernatural power of God himself at work in us because we can't be faithful on our own. We can't be faithful on our own. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless, get that? Be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. So really God's commendation to his people is really about their faith in a faithful God and their belief that there's something greater to come. 
We're going to whip through these quickly, so stick with me. But the last part of this, and again, I'm not going to emphasize these a lot because we've hit a lot of these already. But it's this, it's God's commendation brings staggering blessings. God's commendation brings staggering blessings. So not only do we want the commendation of God, but, but there's a part of us that wants the blessings of God for being faithful. God promises to bless the faithful life here in this earth and then also in the age to come. God promises to bless a faithful life. Why are, why are we faithful to God? Obviously because we love God, because God loves us, because we want to live a life honoring to him. But here's another part of that is that we know we have much to look forward to as followers of Jesus Christ. That this mere 40 years or 50 years or 80 years is not all that there is in life. There's so much more to come. And God has, has promised staggering blessings in the next age for those who remain faithful. Let these motivate you. Behold, it says in verse 9, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. Quite plain and simply, the first blessing of, the first blessing of a life that is faithful is this, a place of honor over our enemies. A place of honor over our enemies in this Context, the Philadelphian church was being hammered by the Jewish people. You guys aren't, you guys aren't God followers. You guys, you guys suck. You guys are nothing. You guys, you guys are too zealous. You guys are too this. You guys are too that. And they made life hard for them. Mess with their minds a little bit probably. And they're thinking, am I, am I up or am I down? I don't know. And God's like, don't worry. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep following the word of God. And one day, those people who are heckling you and ridiculing you and making your life hard on you, they are going to bow at your feet. This is a place of victory for believers. This is a place of total victory for believers where it's, it's not like, ha, 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 it's, just, it's a rightful place. Where one day people are actually gonna see, get this, not that you have loved God, but God has actually loved you and chosen you and called you out to share in his inheritance and his kingdom rule. First one is a place of honor over our enemies. The second one is assurance of God's protection. Who doesn't want God's protection? That doesn't come from a fickle life. That comes from a faithful life. Look at this. Verse 10, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, get this, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Because you have kept my word, I will keep you. You keep his word. God will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world that is gonna try those on earth. Protection of the enemy. Many people say this, this is this proof that Christ is going to come back before the tribulation. I'm not so sure that's the case, but what is the case? What is the case is God is going to protect his people whether the tribulation comes and we're still here. He's going to protect his people within the tribulation. If he doesn't bring us out beforehand, he's going to protect us in the tribulation, which is amazing promise, don't you think? You think it's bad in the world now? It's not too bad yet. It's not too bad yet. It's going to get worse when God pours his wrath out on the earth. But we don't have anything to fear. Either he's going to come back and take us first. That'd be awesome. I, I vote for that one. Who votes for that one? If that was clear, I'd tell you that. Trust me, right? But if he doesn't, I vote for the second best option. He's going to protect me and you and everyone who's being faithful to him. He's going to protect us from the from the. Wrath of God and the evilness of what's going to happen. This is a great promise that we have to look forward to for those who are faithful. If you're in the camp that couldn't check off the three things on the faithful list, first of all, starting to love God and the other three things on the faithful list that you're saved and you're being faithful, and then this ought to be a concern for you because there's no promise of protection. And the last one is this, which we have hit over and over, but it says it here in a different way. Verse 11, I am coming soon, he says. Again, great motivation for us to like, man, I, I, wanna, I wanna do this. I, I want more than anything today the commendation of Jesus, knowing that my, my life could end soon. It could end today. It could end in 30 years. It could end sooner than I want, though, and I wanna know that, that I have God's commendation, all these staggering blessings he promises. And so he says this, he says in verse, hold fast that which you have, that which you have so that you, no one may seize your crown. It's not talking about losing salvation there. It's talking about holding fast to the things that you're being taught through his word that you might not lose your reward. The crown is the reward, not the salvation. In verse 12, to the one who conquers, we see that throughout this whole thing, to the one who conquers, how can you conquer, remind me, how can you conquer in 
Jesus Christ. How can you conquer in Jesus Christ? That's it, right? So it's not like you going out here trying to conquer now. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He's promising a special place in eternity with Jesus. He's pro- promising special privileges in the place where Jesus dwells, a pillar in the temple of my God. We hear all the time people saying, man, I'm a pillar in my community. Or look at that guy, he's a pillar in the church, or I'm a pillar on my sports team. Who cares? This is saying that if you're faithful, you'll be a pillar in the kingdom of God. Isn't that pretty sweet? In other words, you'll be stable, you'll be unmoved, you'll be there for all of eternity. No one's gonna come, no one's gonna take you out, no one's gonna pull you away. You're gonna be stable in the kingdom of God forever. This is what it means to be a pillar in the kingdom of God, a fixture in heaven, an important fixture in heaven. That's gonna be you and I as we strive for faithfulness in Jesus Christ. Never shall you go out of it. Heaven's not just a temporary place, it's forever, it's for real, as is hell. But instead, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. In other words, he's gonna engrave his ownership upon us. I never thought of it this way before, but I think the first stop in heaven is a tattoo parlor. Either that or the weird face painting lady with the permanent stuff. But the first first stop in heaven is the... But it's not just some random thing. I think I like this design. You're going to get in the name of Jesus put on you somewhere. Maybe right between the eyes just to show the ownership and the love that God has for you. The name of Jesus is going to be imprinted upon you and the name of the holy city is going to be put somewhere on your, on your body. And there's going to be no passports in heaven. Where are you from? Here's my passports. Like, where are you from? Right here. I'm from heaven. This is my place. I'm not going to lose that passport or put it through the wash. It's here. It's forever. I'll never forget who owns me, who died for me, and whom I spend eternity with reigning forever. It's all imprinted upon me as, as Christ. And then it says here, this is, got to notice this before we finish, that you're going to be tattooed with the name of Jesus, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from my God out of heaven. And get this, we often think we go to heaven, but actually, you know what's gonna happen in the end? That heaven is gonna come down and God's gonna make a brand new earth is what's gonna happen. That's what it says here. So we're not spending eternity up in the sky. We're actually gonna end up spending it here in a brand new heaven and the earth just the way he intended in Genesis. But then get this. And you're also gonna be in tattooed with my own new name, doesn't that strike you as pretty cool? It's not you get a new name. Remember we learned that before, that we get a new name? We get to see the fullness of Jesus in a way that, like never before, in a way that human intellect and language has never understood it, and that he is gonna put a new name on us. His name, which is a new name, which we have never heard before, because we can't see the fullness of his splendor and the fullness of his glory and the fullness of his majesty here on earth. All the names of God we have help us catch a picture of the majesty of God, but in heaven, get this, in heaven, there's gonna be a brand new name that is gonna encompass everything of God, and he's gonna put it right upon us. And we're going to see Jesus in his fullness and in his glory. And we're going to look back on this life and say, man, it was a plow. It was difficult. But boy, is this worth it all now. Because I spend eternity with my God and my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the promise for all those who are faithful. Faithful is still a boring word to you today. It's not a boring word if you look at it from God's perspective. And this is the greatest blessing we have on earth is that we can love Jesus here and now, be an ambassador for Christ, and then one day spend forever and ever with him in heaven. And this is why we so love commendations from Jesus because like, man, I want, anyone here not want that commendation? (laughs) Didn't think so. God, help us to live faithful lives that every person in this room would one day stand before God and hear this being said to them, this being said to them from the lips of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're on that path, be super encouraged today. Just take this as a blessing from God. God's not this nitpicky God who's just looking for your faults all the time that some of us feel that way. He is actually wanting to bless you and encourage you today and spur you on in your faith. Again, if this is not you today and you know it, take heed to the warning of God. 
take heed to the words of God that he, when he comes back, he would find you among the faithful. That not one of us, when he does come back, would say, I didn't know. I thought I had more time. May we all be eagerly anticipating the return of Jesus. And may we all, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to not just the churches, but to this church. Well done, a good and faithful servant. It's not a cliche. It's the words of Jesus and what he longs for, for your life. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let me pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, God, the way that you spell out to us in simple terms. We are simple people and how you spell out for us in simple terms, just the reality of who you are and the reality of how you long for us to live in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that every heart here would be fully engaged in adoring Jesus Christ today, that we'd leave here today fully alive in Jesus. We'd leave here today determined by the power of God to be faithful in Jesus Christ as much as it depends on us, ultimately knowing that it fully depends on you. So God, I pray today that you'd grab a hold of our hearts, that you'd pull us in close, you'd whisper in our ears, you'd shout if you have to, the reality of your presence and your existence and the reality that you want our souls in heaven with you forever. God, please do a deep work in us. We can't do this. We can hear the word, but now implant it deep in our hearts that we leave here fully aware and fully engaged with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In your name, amen. You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca.